But the promise is not that you'll have a, a, a brand new car, that everything in your life will be perfect if you become a Christian. The promise is that you have hope for eternity, yeah. right? That you are a child of God, a son or daughter of God yeah. if you're a Christian. Yeah. And that the, the temporal things that happen in this life pale in comparison to the glory that we have in eternity with with God. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. I'm Daniel Parks, West Coast Regional Shepherd for Love Life. Also involved in uh, overseeing the sidewalk ministry uh, for our national teams. And I'm joined with Vicki Cassiorg. Say hey, Vicki. Hey, everyone. And Vicki's role is the sidewalk training director. That's why you hear us on this podcast, because we have a lot of involvement in the sidewalk ministry that's under Love Life. But also want to encourage people who are maybe listening to this podcast who are not part of Love Life, but you get some encouragement from this podcast. We'd encourage you guys to reach out to us. Send us over a word of encouragement. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear from you guys what's going on in your city. What are some of the struggles that you're having? What are some of the things that you're facing in your city? Maybe some encouragements that you have, things that you're seeing in your city. Again, if you're a Love Life city, we'd love to hear from you. But um, if you're not in a Love Life city, we'd love to hear from you. I want to mention something, too, that maybe we haven't mentioned at all, or if we have, we haven't mentioned it in a while. But if you're part of a Love Life City, or if you've come through some of our Love Life training, we have three training modules now that we do for Sidewalks, Sidewalks 101, 102, and 103. If you've completed all three of those modules, you get an invite to our monthly Q&E meeting. We call it Sidewalk Q&E, Questions and Encouragement. And it's pretty much a meeting for all the people that have gone through our training, that have questions and need some encouragement for sidewalk ministry. And we do that once a month, the first Saturday of every month at 5 p.m. Eastern time, which is 2 p.m. on the Pacific um, coast. And so, yeah, just want to let you guys know about that if you're not. Um, partaking in that, if you're not joining us for that meeting on a monthly basis, I think you're missing out on just really, I think, um, certainly getting some questions answered that you might have of you know things that are going on on your sidewalk. But I think more than anything, just connection with other people, because I mean, we, we literally have people from the East Coast to the West Coast and in between that are joining on that meeting. I think it's just encouraging to see that there's more people in this battle than the people that are in your immediate city. Yeah, it really is. I I agree. I think it's very, very valuable. There's a lot of great questions. We often open it up to the whole group, and we get a lot of different perspectives. Um, It's just really wonderful to know that we're part of something that is really so much bigger than our own area. Yeah. Yeah, and just to kind of let you guys know, again, maybe you're listening to this because somebody sent it to you and you're not part of a Love Life City. Um, We're willing to send folks our training even if you're not in a Love Life City, we want to do what we can to be a blessing. That's why we do these podcasts. And so if you want to get our training 
and you're not in a Love Life city, typically what would happen is you'd reach out to us. We'd ultimately send you over an application. We would vet that application. You'd have to do a background check to make sure we get um, people who are not crazy (laughs) on board. And then we would send you our 101 training. And that's really as far as you can go if you're not in a Love Life city is with 101, unless your church is a House of Refuge church. And um, we can send you more information about that. You'll get information about that if you uh, if you go through our 101 training. Um, but if you onboard your church or if your church is already on board as a House of Refuge church, then you could also get the 102, 103. It's just a way for us to have a connection with you and with your local church. Again, we don't want just kind of vigilantes out there saying they're part of Love Life. You know, if you just just because you go through our training doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of Love Life. But we do want to make sure that you're um, that there's some connection with a solid church, House of Refuge church, that is bought into the vision and bought into what the Lord is doing. And the fact that this is a gospel centered ministry not just pro-life, pro-life activism or something like right. that. So, and then also that church is going to be able to help the moms yeah, who exactly. choose life. So it's a really vital part of, of a, what we believe is an effective sidewalk outreach uh, ministry, yeah. having help for the yeah. women. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I did want to mention those things, and we'll leave our email addresses at the end of this um, this episode. We'll give you guys our email addresses so that you could reach out to us. If you want more information about that, we'd certainly love to answer any questions that you have about that. But with that being said, let's jump into our subject. Vicki, go ahead and introduce our topic. Okay. Um, we title this, Why Am I Struggling After I Chose Life and yeah. God? And I think that this is a question that comes up over and over again. If it is not um, audibly voiced, many people are thinking it, but I think it is not specific to what you might encounter or the people you'll encounter on the sidewalk, but it's a basic question. It's the question that kept me from the Lord. For okay. years and years and years, why does a good God allow suffering is, is really kind of at its crux, yeah, yeah. What, what that question is saying. Um, and what we often see, in fact, I would, yes, often I think is correct. We, if not always, see that when someone has chosen life and particularly or additionally made a commitment to the Lord with that choice of life for their child— Rather than their situation getting better, oftentimes it honestly gets worse. It con- they yeah. come under attack, yeah. which we understand. Sure. The devil hates yeah. that, that what we're doing and hates the choice that they have now made for God. But, um, but it oftentimes brings questions, doubts, um, sometimes direct rejection of God because they feel he's cruel. Here they've done this incredible, wonderful thing, you know, and it is wonderful. They've chosen life for their child. They've many times submitted their life to the Lord. And then they expect life is going to look better. And when it doesn't, it it can cause deep concerns and questions. Yes. Yeah. So essentially the question is from the mom that has chosen life on the sidewalk, or it can happen in a pregnancy center or whatever mm-hmm. other setting, chose life, surrendered her life to Jesus, is why are things getting worse? Why does why is God allowing these trials? I thought I did what I was supposed to do. Exactly. Right? Or in the case of this was actually a question by one of our sidewalk um, outreach team leaders 
And she had a mom say, I did, I've done everything right, just what you said, Daniel. Why is God punishing me? And the sidewalk yeah. counselor asked me, how do you respond? What, what do you say that is helpful in this situation? That's what sparked yeah. this, um, yeah. in fact, this article in this, this podcast. So it, it's certainly something that's not unusual, right? In, in yeah. not only on yeah, the sidewalk. I, I think, you know, of course, you can't give what you don't have, right? So if yeah. a mom comes to you with this question and you don't have your mind wrapped around the answer to that question, it will be hard for you to minister to her. Right. And I think uh, you know, the first response I'm going to give to that very question, why is God punishing me, is is basically this is not God punishing you. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it always the assumption? I mean, I'm not going to mm-hmm. say that, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, why is the assumption that somehow God is doing this? Like, right. we live in a fallen world, and that's yeah. that's normally going to be my explanation. We live in a fallen world. Like, Jesus is going to return and right all the wrongs, but right now we live in a world where things are chaotic. Yeah. And just as a result of living in this world, there's going to be things that, that happen that that are not fun to deal, to deal with. Yeah. Also, there's a devil who, when you made a decision for Jesus— he became your enemy right away. Um, and so you got to acknowledge that, too, that there's a devil that's at work. You know, people say God loves you and has, has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, the devil hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. Yeah. And he's still working on this earth. Um, the Bible says uh, prowling around like a roaring lion, lion seeking who he may devour. Yeah. Right? He's trying to devour and destroy and bring chaos. So, I mean, I think that's the that's the explanation. We live in a fallen world, yeah. and there's a devil that's at work in this fallen world. Yeah, and I think that's a great summary of of kind of the overarching concept of, yeah. of what we would say. As I was thinking this through, I happened to be doing a Bible study that um, actually broke it down into helping me to answer it. It was not specific to like a mom who chose life. Sure. Um, but it it was dealing with, with this question about why am I still struggling after I've chosen to follow God? Yeah. And I, I do think we, we should always start with um, the struggles are often very terrible. Sometimes it's miscarriage, which to yeah. me is one of... It, it, that is a really, really hard one. Yeah, you made a choice to save your baby. Now, why would the baby die? Yeah. It, that's a really rough consequence. Well, it's not a consequence of the choice. Right. Like you said, we live in a fallen world, and there, I think there's a lot of ways you can tackle that. But um, the first thing I would do is recognize how th- it stinks. Yeah. The, the, I, I would express compassion and sympathy. This, yeah. is, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is not what, what God hopes for you or for the child or for our situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, that whole theological postulus that is like life sucks sometimes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to just let them know this isn't good. Yeah. This is not. We feel for you. This is this is very sad. Yeah. What, what you're going through. I think sometimes it, it helps so much just to start there, but don't end there. Right. If if you end with just, yeah, it it it's rotten and there's no explanation. I don't think that's helpful. It's not helpful for me. Right. I need to understand. And the thing is, I do think the Bible gives us understanding. Yeah. And um, and so we need to take what has happened and re- help them to reframe 
their perceptions and their conclusions in a God-honoring and empowering way. And that's where this article and this podcast, I think, is is hoping to do, is to reframe it and to um, empower them to take those struggles and somehow honor God um, in, in the midst of them. Yeah. So the first thing is really the thing that I think— um, well, you alluded to it, it. It's stated a little bit differently, but a f- a f- the first thing is to recognize they are they are exhibiting a false belief that God is not with us if we're experiencing troubles. Yeah, and um, Psalm ten one is a a perfect scripture, I think, to illustrate the feelings that many of us have. When we're suddenly hit with adversity, which feels unjust. Yeah, yeah. You want me to read that? Scripture? Yeah. What is that? <clears throat> it's right. in it's in New King James. Just okay. for you. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> uh, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Yeah. Um, and of course, this is David, the psalmist, crying out to the Lord in the midst of the trouble. He's being uh, he's being pursued. By Saul, by King Saul, yeah, a guy who he served, right, and uh, loved, but who turned on him and was jealous of him, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you kind of get the heart of David here. He's calling out to God. He's not accusing God. David's heart is seems to be pure in this, but he's like, God, like, why are you allowing this? Essentially, that's it, right? Why do you Why do you allow? Why do you stand afar off? Why are yeah. you not near to me? In Even my time hidden. of trouble. Why are yeah. you hiding from me in times of trouble? And I think that the way that you hear it expressed on the sidewalk, they'll, they'll say, I'm all alone in this. God has abandoned me. Those are the sorts of things that, that they'll say. Yeah. So, and I think acknowledging, first of all, you know, I get why you feel that way. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it does feel that way. But, um, uh, but feelings are a terrible thing to base your reality yeah. upon, yeah. the reality and truth upon. And, of course, you see it in the story of David, right? Yes. God yeah. did not abandon David. Right. David had trials and things that he had to uh, he had to deal with. Yeah. It wasn't because of the Lord. It was because of Saul being yeah. wicked. It was because this guy's you know basically possessed by a demon. Yeah. And uh, that's why— David's experiencing what he's experiencing, but God has anointed him. God has set him apart as a king. Um, I think one of the things that causes people a hang up is that God's timing is not our timing, right? For David, his his timing, I'm sure, would have been, I've been anointed as king. Let me be king right away. And uh, God's, the way things played out. His timetable was a lot different than David's timetable. David had to deal with some trials. He had to be in the wilderness uh, for a season. And that's the same for us, right? We look from yeah. our our temporal perspective, um, but really God's seeing things from an eternal perspective. Right. And my one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible that describe that very thing is the story of Elijah. Yeah. After defeating the prophets of ba- Baal, he also cries out um, and says, I've been zealous for you. And um, you know, I've 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 followed you. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, 
and they seek to, and they seek to take my life. Yeah. So he's feeling utterly abandoned and cries out to God. And what God does is um, instantly is there. God does show him his very presence. He passes yeah. by him, and Elijah's allowed to see his back. I think, but um, but he he gives him rest and food. Tells him he's not alone. Tells him about the whole group of of prophets who have not bowed their knee to Baal and who are with Elijah and ready to fight for for God. And then he sends him a special friend. But um, I think the key thing to counter this this false belief, I think that story helps, yeah. and it's throughout the Bible. That like you talked about David, I, Elijah is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, that experienced troubles, but that God does show them. Um, in his time, that that they indeed are not alone, and yeah. that he is there with them. Yeah. So so counter that false belief. God is with us even when we um, when we don't feel like yeah. he, like he's with us. Then, yeah, I mean the truth of God's word: I will never leave you nor forsake right. you. Like God is yeah. near to those that call on His name. And just because he's near doesn't mean there won't be trials, right? right. Again, I think you pointed it out yeah. perfectly. It's a false belief. It's a right. false belief that just because you trust in the Lord and you're his child that you won't suffer. Like, that's yeah. just not reality. It's not and, It's not reality experientially, but also it's not reality, reality biblically. As a matter of fact, right. Jesus told his disciples, because you love me, because you're associated with me, the world's going to hate you because if it hated me, it's going to hate you as well. And, you know, he says to his disciples, this is Jesus' encouragement to his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. But he says, take joy for I have overcome the world. Right. So helping these women to understand things rather than from a temporal perspective, mm-hmm. even though that pain, suffering, struggles are very real, we don't minimize that stuff, but helping them to see from an eternal perspective yeah. that you now are a child of God. So what happens in this life really is irrelevant. You're you're dead a whole lot longer than you're alive, right? Yeah. Um you're you get to spend eternity with the Lord. There's security in that. It yeah. doesn't make the suffering less um, difficult, but it does give hope. And I think that's the point, right? right? It, it restores hope. hope. Now, I found very this very interesting the next part that leads into that that we somehow falsely believe that because we love the Lord, we're no longer going to struggle. But it's actually a very prideful sense that nothing can shake or harm us. And again, in Psalm 10, now the whole segment is Psalm um, uh, Psalm 10, 1 through 11, but, um, but maybe just, I'll just read a couple of, of verses from that full passage um, where the psalmist is, is first of all, saying, where are you? Why are you hiding? And then talks, um, and then he's starting to answer it in his own heart. And he says, um, as for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He's talking about the wicked. The wicked is, is sneering. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversities. Now, for all of his enemies, I'm sorry, his enemies are God's enemies. As as yeah. for the, they are the enemy, the wicked are the enemies of God, and the wicked are saying in his heart, "I shall not be moved. 
I shall never be in adversity. That really popped out at me. Yeah. This is what is described as the enemy of God that is the one saying, I shall not be in adversity. This very prideful certainty, nothing's going to touch me. Yeah. Basically, you're saying, first of all, I'm better than God. I, I'm, I can do what I want. Nothing's going to touch me. But secondly, the fact that that is described as God's enemies is the one that says that. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're saying that, that I shouldn't be in adversity, we are identifying with the same thing the enemies of God are saying. Yeah. yeah. We certainly don't want our profession and the words of our mouth to align with those who are adversaries against the Lord. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So um, so at its core, our complaining about our struggles shows that that same false belief. Because I have followed God, I deserve not to face adversity. But God never promises that. Yeah. And in fact, as in the verses you said, um, Jesus himself says, you will yeah. have troubles. Not you might. Right. You will. Yeah, because the reality is, and I think this actually flows into your next point about the shallow roots of faith. Yeah. The reality is when you become a Christian, you are in a lot of ways countercultural, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the culture is, the, 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 the stream of the culture, the current of the culture is flowing this, this kind of downstream, um, you know, sex outside of marriage is no big deal. The language that you use is just, you know, filthy language. The things you talk about are filthy drugs and all these other things that the culture is like okay with. These things are fine. The whole LGBT stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's all anti-God. It's all anti-Christ mm-hmm. as far as the culture. The mm-hmm. world is positioned to do things its way, which really is the way of the enemy of God. Um, again, all the things that God says you shall not, the culture says you shall and do a lot of them. Um, when you become a Christian, your stance on those things changes Yeah, because you're surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and what he says is what goes, right? Yeah. We don't, when we become Christians, bring God down to our level and, and seek to make God in our own image. No, when we become believers... We say, Lord, I want you to make me like you, yeah. right? Yeah. Rather than me trying to make you like me. Yeah. Sadly, in a lot of our like easy believism, a lot of our um, even our appeals to people to become Christians become pretty shallow. You know, when we appeal to someone in the sense that you know, like I said earlier, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, I mean that that's true. God does love you and He does have a wonderful plan for your life, but that wonderful plan is not. He doesn't ask you what your plan will be, what's wonderful for you, and let let me do that for you. No, I mean, think about Stephen the martyr. I mean, tell him yeah. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your right. life. As right, as he's being stoned, as he's for, being stoned for his death. belief, for, for his faith. Yeah, exactly. now God did have a wonderful plan for his life. God used him, actually, to help spread the gospel throughout the nations, and ultimately Stephen is with the Lord for eternity. That's God's plan. Mm-hmm. But God's wonderful plan for your life is not that you'll never suffer. Yeah. And again, some of our shallow, even the way that we share the gospel is come to Jesus because he'll make your life better. And right? you get to go to heaven. And Who you wouldn't? get to go to heaven. Hey, that sounds yeah. great. 
Heck but yeah, there's there's you know? no talking about what the sacrifice involved or the leaving the life of sin right. yeah. or the repenting of the, of that sin. Yeah one, yeah, one preacher said, it's always fun to follow Jesus until you find out where he's going. Yes. Right? Where's he going? Yeah. He's going yeah. to the hedges and the highways. Yeah. He's going to a, to a hill with a cross on his back yeah. and he bids you to come and die with him. Right, right. What does Jesus say? Take up your cross and follow me. If you don't, you're not worthy of being my, my disciple. Yeah. So bearing our cross is part of being a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And if we don't say that as we're sharing the gospel, if we don't talk about the issue of sin and the need to repent of sin and the need to follow Jesus as Lord, and what that means is master, like he gets to say what goes, then we're giving people this shallow foundation for their faith. And it's no wonder that people are losing their faith because bad things happen. And, of course, you talk about that. In yeah. the article here, well, in this this verse this. is perfect. Yeah, the, the Matthew perfect. Matthew um, thirteen. The, it it is exactly this issue. Yeah, yeah. about shallow roots. You want to read that? It, yeah, the yeah. one what I wrote in the article is just specifically verse six and then twenty to twenty one. Yeah, um, from Matthew thirteen. And so this is Jesus. He he shares the parable of the soil mm-hmm. and uh, the seed. Right, the mm-hmm. seed is the gospel of the word of God. It says, "But he who received the seed in stony places." This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So they've received it with joy. Mm -hmm. They didn't reject it, but they received Mm -hmm. it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. When the tribulation comes, that root that is shallow just is, you know, the plant is blown over. In in a storm, a plant or a tree with shallow roots, when the storm comes, is uprooted, is blown over. This is such a beautiful picture yeah. of what happens when we have shallow faith, no roots, no truly deep understanding of who Jesus is as Lord. And, and it's interesting that what he says specifically is when tribulation or persecution comes, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Yeah. That's what's happening to these women. Yeah. They have made a choice. They rejoice in the fact I, I've chosen Jesus to be be Lord. Usually there's a lot of tears, a lot of joy. Yeah. But then when they find themselves faced with persecution, and it is a newfound faith, I understand why those roots are shallow. Yeah. It's brand new for them. But I think they need to, in the gospel presentation, those sharing the gospel with them, I think needs to warn them that this does not mean your struggles end. Yeah. This your struggles might increase, but you you the only way to um, to resist to withstand those inevitable storms and struggles is to keep clinging to the Lord. Yeah, don't abandon Him. Let that's how the roots grow. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I think Ray Comfort in one of his books he talks about this. He he talks about this particular parable. Uh huh. And I think he says something to the effect of the law of God, because, you know, Ray Comfort's big on sharing the law and showing people their need for a Savior, showing them their sin, seeing that they need a Savior. Yeah. The law is like that plow that digs up the rocks from that ground, right? We need to do the groundwork of getting the rocks out of the soil before we plant the gospel seed. And I think, again, that's important in our presentations of the gospel yeah. that we talk about what it means, you talk about it a lot, what it means for Jesus to be Lord. Exactly. And it, it helps get those rocks out. Yeah. Now, even if we do a very thorough gospel presentation and we help people to understand you're not just saying a prayer and checking a box, 
But if you're truly going to become a Christian, you're surrendering your life to Jesus. Even if we do that, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be these questions. Why is God allowing this? Mm -hmm. You and I both have had those same Mm -hmm. questions. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we've been thoroughly born again, right? (laughs) I don't have any doubts about that. Um, But yet still these questions come. But I do think that it, it... it's on us as those who proclaim the gospel, those who are sharing the gospel with these women and men at the abortion centers to do some of that plowing work, right? We can't handle every question ahead of time, but we do need to do our due diligence to thoroughly share the gospel and not to present kind of a a weak, um, Jesus loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Check this box and everything will be all right in your life kind of gospel. We need to talk about the Lordship of Jesus. We need to talk about sin and the need to turn from sin and put your trust in Jesus. Right. I mean, yeah. I've been in situations and I think you have too where you're sharing the gospel with a young lady and she's like nodding her head and agreeing with everything, but you know she's not really getting it, right? She's not really understanding the surrender part of the mm-hmm. gospel that you're surrendering to Jesus. And you almost talk them out of getting saved. I mean, you you, you don't, you right? You want them to truly give their lives to Jesus, but you, you would say something to the effect of, and I would, it's like, are you sure you are ready to surrender life, your life to Jesus? Do you understand what you're committing to? I'll go right into the purity message there and say, um, is, is living with your boyfriend surrendering your life to Jesus? Uh, no. Well, you understand that surrendering your life to Jesus means that you will do what he says. Yeah. And what does he say about that? Well, I shouldn't do it. And then that's where many of them won't. You're right. right. It is almost trying to talk him out of it. Yeah. But I'd rather have someone who goes home and thinks about it and then comes to me later and says, you know what? I, I'm ready now. Yeah. Then someone who says, that's all right, I'll do it. And then they don't. Yeah. They, right. It's a false It's a false convert. Yeah. They, they never had any intention of, of surrendering their life right. to Jesus. They just wanted to check the box and get it taken to heaven. Yeah. And hope that they get to go to heaven with no yeah. struggle. So, um, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, and I want to point people to this article because I think it is a good article to point out how to specifically go into all these issues with them. Yeah. But um, something that I, I think is a really important verse is um, in terms of reminding them about struggle is in Genesis 35, 3, and um, that's that's when Jacob um, is talking and and he has just re- finished wrestling with God, literally yeah, wrestling with right. God. Great, great verse. He says yeah. he's not going to let go of God until God blesses him. Yeah, and he struggles. He wrestles with him all night in in that passage, and God complies. I don't know why. That's a, an amazing part of the verse, but He does. But the principle, I think, of of that um, of that passage is that. When when you're in trial and and the what you need to do is hang tight onto God, struggle yeah. with God, don't let him go. Yeah. And um and then later on it, this that verse says, uh, this is Jacob speaking, then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me. In the way which I have gone, Jacob, who had felt certainly abandoned at times during his struggles in the journey, recognizes here what I think is where we want to bring these the women who are struggling to. 
He has always been with us. Yeah. He has been with us. And um, don't don't give up on God because it doesn't feel like he's he's been there with you. Yeah. So I think um, just kind of in closing, there is a purpose in suffering. There is a glorious purpose in suffering. And of course, the cross is the most, I think, perfect illustration of that. You know, the, I can't picture anything more horrific in terms of suffering yeah. than, than what Jesus endured. But, um, but he went to the cross and, and died for our sins, paid the penalty for our sins. And look at what that brought about. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. There is a resurrection through death. There's life through Jesus' death, right? Yeah. He pays the penalty. He suffers. He goes through tribulation, right? So that yeah. we might have victory. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we might have victory and have a brand new car uh, in this life. I mean, God certainly is willing to bless and God does bless. But the promise is not that you'll have a, a, a brand new car, that everything in your life will be perfect if you become a Christian. The promise is that you have hope for eternity, yeah. right? That you are a child of God, a son or daughter of God yeah. if you're a Christian. Yeah. And that the, the temporal things that happen in this life – a pale in comparison to the glory that we have in eternity with with God. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so I think um, to combat some of this um, confusion and some of this, just this doubt and that sort of thing, is to help these women, help these men that are struggling to see that there's hope, that you have eternal hope yeah. in the Lord, in your relationship with Him. Do your suffering. Romans 5, 1, 5, um, I think, talks about that. Um, and I'll read that real quick. Therefore, having been justi justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And here's the where it talks about suffering. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Yeah. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So there's a progression from tribulation, whatever it is, whatever tribulation you're facing, you can, you can choose to either persevere or give up. And if you persevere, that is how you develop a godly character, persevering in a godly manner through that struggle, and that character leads to hope, yeah. hope in the Lord, and, and really the eternal hope that yeah. we've already talked about. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, guys, we hope that this podcast episode was a blessing to you guys. Uh, we would encourage you to reach out to us and... Uh, also, to leave us a review on whatever podcast service that you use, uh, my email address is daniel at lovelife.org. Hers is Vicky with a Y, at lovelife.org. Again, you can reach out to us with questions, suggestions for episodes, encouragements, or whatever. Um, also, take advantage of our podcast website, gospelcenteredprolife.com, where all of our podcasts are. You can search for keywords and find episodes that have to do with those keywords. And also, our training and equipping website, Sidewalks, the number four, life. Dot com. Take advantage of that. But until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me a 
Since I met you 